I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. everyone. Welcome back to the Unbreakable You podcast. This is about my fifth time (laughs) trying to record this introduction. I don't know. Something keeps happening. The last time I had to delete it because right in the middle of something I was saying, Penny started barking and going crazy. So here we are trying this again. It's just one of those mornings, I guess. It is Tuesday morning when I am recording this intro. These podcast episodes go live every Wednesday. So if you're listening to this live, which I know so many of you do, so thank you so much for being so excited week after week to listen to my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. (laughs) I'm really, really excited about this podcast episode. I've been kind of planning it for a really long time now. So back in August of 2019, I got my period back for the first time after 12 years of having hypothalamic amenorrhea. 12 years. That means 12 years without bleeding, without a period, without a menstrual cycle. Yeah. So over the past year, I've been sharing a lot about hypothalamic amenorrhea. And from now on, we'll just refer to that as HA in this episode. But I've been sharing a lot about it. And it was always a dream of mine to celebrate my one year kind of like recovering from HA. Yeah, celebrate it. It was a big anniversary for me. And here we are. It's August 2020 now. And I've been getting my period for a year now. And I just wanted to celebrate because it is something to celebrate. I've been a huge advocate for celebrating yourself for so many years. I think my whole like celebrate you spiel kind of happened back in like 2012. So it's been like eight years of me really encouraging other women and men to take time to reflect and just be okay with celebrating themselves because so many people just aren't okay with celebrating themselves. We hear a lot about having a gratitude practice, but I seriously think having a celebrate you practice is so important. So actually on Instagram, if you follow me over on Instagram, my Instagram handle is I am Meg Dahl. I actually had this series called Celebrate You Sunday, and I did that for many years. So I've literally been talking about celebrating yourself for so many years, and here I am 
celebrating myself for having a period for one year. I'm celebrating my one year HA recovery anniversary this month. And I'm really doing it like a whole month long thing. <laughs> so I asked my friend Danny Sheriff to join me on this week's podcast episode or this kind of HA recovery series that I wanted to do. I know a lot of you are going through HA recovery right now. And in doing that, you have a lot of questions. So I wanted one of my really good friends who has also gone through HA to join me on the podcast so we could answer all of your questions together. We received close to 30 questions, so we couldn't get through all of them in today's episode, but we got through a good chunk. And for those of you who We're really excited about these HA recovery questions. (laughs) There will be a part two that's coming out next week. (laughs) So I'm also really excited about that and I hope you are too. Now, when Danny and I were recording, there was a little bit of a connection issue on our last question. So I just wanted to be sure that I reread the question for you so you all knew what she was saying. So the last question that Danny reads near the end of the episode is, I'm a HIT instructor, so a high intensity interval training instructor, and teach twice a week. Is there any way to recover my period and still reach my goals? So I just wanted to be sure I read that so you all knew exactly what that question was. And before we jump over to today's episode and really dive into all of these amazing questions that you had for Danny and I, I just wanted to remind you of something that's super exciting happening in my life right now, aside from the month of August and it being my one year anniversary of getting my period back. I am opening the doors once again to my brand new small group coaching program called Back Home to You. So more details on that coming soon, but I really encourage you if you're wanting my guidance and my support through your self-healing and your self-love journey and you're looking to really understand your mind and up-level your emotional health and start moving through your life in a place of self-compassion and really understand and experience what self-acceptance really is, I highly encourage you to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be one of the first people to know when you can apply and jump on a discovery call with me. So you can sign up for my newsletter at megdoll.com slash love notes. Or if you're really interested and you want to be absolutely one of the first people to have a discovery call with me, you can actually email me directly at hello at megdoll.com. So that covers just about everything I wanted to talk 
to you about before we get over to these questions. So again, I'm answering all of these questions with Danny Sheriff. She is a self-love artist and she also overcame HA. She's been on this podcast before, not too long ago, and I'm so excited to have her back on with me this week. And her and I will actually be back together chatting all about HA again, celebrating recovery next week. So stay tuned for part two if we didn't get to your question this week. So, Danny, welcome back to the show. Thank you. This has been in the works for a little while. Very excited. Yeah. So, you and I are like HA recovery besties. <laughs> we just love talking about amenorrhea and helping so women. Does a lot of other people yeah. are not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is because like not many people talk about it. And so once someone is talking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, let's let's talk about it all the time. <laughs> no. People get so people get super pumped about it. And then they're like, why isn't anyone else talking? It's because it's so taboo or something like that. And then they realize, oh, hang on, that's not that weird. We can definitely talk about these things. Yeah, we can talk about our periods or lack thereof and how to get them back and like all of the weird symptoms that happen during recovery and things like that. So you and I actually have been collecting questions for quite some time now ever since we did our last podcast interview together. So we have over 20 questions here. And I know all of the girls who did submit these questions are really, really excited for us to answer them. So we might be doing a part two because we probably won't be getting through all of these today. Yeah, no, we won't get through all of them today. We are on the clock as well. We have a hard finish, so we'll do our absolute best to be thorough. All righty. So should we just dive in and start moving yeah. through this list? I think so. Okay. Do you want to go first? Okay, I'll, I'll read the first question out um, and then we'll answer together. All right. How to decide what to eat? I don't know what this bit means, though, likes, dislikes. Um, but how to decide what to eat, likes, dislikes, and how much is enough without weighing yourself. Very so this is like three questions, right? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay. So let's start with part one, how to decide what to eat. And I think because you and I both don't really know what the likes slash dislikes means, maybe we can hop over that part. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, and let's just um, imagine but perhaps they're saying like, do I only eat what I like or do I need to add in things I don't like that much? I don't know. But how to decide what to eat is a interesting question. Um, I'm sure a few people are like, not sure what the hang up might be. So the, the hang up some people might have is if you're coming from a background perhaps of I suppose like orthorexic tendencies or the need to eat only clean foods, you know, quote unquote clean foods. And then you're faced with this concept of like all in and of eating all different types of foods and try and get caloric 
the dense foods in, it can be really hard to walk that line of like, I really want to keep it clean, quote unquote, and I really need to eat a lot of calories. That's what I'm getting from this. What are you getting from this? Yeah, definitely. How to decide what to eat. And for me, I think a lot of people, and I know I was totally in this boat, but when you're so accustomed to eating a certain amount of calories for a long period of time, you kind of know like, okay, um, I'm eating like this much, but when I enter HA recovery, like, should I increase like the amount of protein I'm eating or the amount of carbs that I'm eating, the amount of fat that I'm eating? So when I read this question, I was kind of more like thinking more about the macronutrients because I do get that question a lot. Like, should I eat more protein? Should I eat more carbs? Should I eat more fat? Gotcha. Okay. So I like that. That makes a lot of sense now that you've said it. How do I decide what to eat? So I suppose you would look at what you've been eating now and take an inventory of like, what are you deficient in? So when you work with a professional, like a nutritionist or something, they're going to ask you those questions and they're going to see what you like and what you dislike. And they're going to look for patterns and see like, is there any gaping holes? Is this person not eating a very balanced diet? And I have found that a lot of the protocols or the prescribed macronutrient breakdowns for people with HA is to eat as balanced as possible. So like, you know, one third protein, fat and carbs. So like, is it, have you got a balance in there versus what is, what should you be eating more of? It's like, have you got a balance of everything? Yeah, definitely. And when like I'm not obviously like a stickler and trying to eat a specific balance of macronutrients, right? Like I don't pay attention to the ratio that I eat. But when I started getting like the really great signs that my period was coming back and then when my period actually did come back, my macronutrient breakdown was really balanced, like you said. So I think that's really important for the women listening to this to look and see, like, are they consuming protein? If not, you're going to want to start doing that. Are you following a low carb diet? If you are, you definitely need to reevaluate that and start adding carbs in. And if you're constantly just like choosing the zero fat yogurt and hardly adding any additional fats to your meals or, you know, not choosing like fattier cuts of meat, for an example, it's likely your fat intake is quite low and that might be throwing things off balance for you. Mm. Um, I can throw in an example, actually, as you were saying, your examples of foods that prompted me. Yeah. So if I do eat zero fat yogurt, because it's just like what we had or what the store had, I'm always going to like add peanut butter to it or, you know, just something fatty, like some kind of nuts. And if I'm making a meal, maybe like a rice based dish, if it has lean chicken, I'm going to try and add some fats into the rice. Like I'm going to look for those ratios. And then if I have a really fatty meal, like, you know, a whole chicken with the skin and, or like a big piece of steak, and a salad, I'm going to be looking for like, okay, maybe I need to cook 
some rice or some potatoes or something just to put on this meal. So it's like, what have you got on your plate? What's missing? Put some in. And that's a, kind of my sort of hard and fast rule for figuring out what I need to add onto my plate. Yes, same for sure. So then when it comes to the likes and dislikes, I think this will be like an easy one for us to kind of tackle because I don't think it's really necessary for you to eat a bunch of food that you don't enjoy. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Just no, you don't need to add anything in that you don't want. Um, and that's a part of, you know, coming around to intuitive eating. If you're, if that's not calling to you in your body, there's potentially a reason for that. And it's not so much, you know, unless you have been prescribed by your dietitian, some kind of supplement. I mean, I take some pretty nasty tasting supplements, but aside from that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're just forcing something down your throat that you don't like there's just no need for that yeah exactly like if you don't like rice go look at other carbohydrate alternatives like potatoes or quinoa or whatever but I do think it's worth noting that many women who are coming to HA recovery they obviously have a history with eating either eating disorders or disordered eating or like just a diet mentality. And both you and I know that when we get caught up in that world, a lot of the times we think that we actually don't like certain foods because we've told ourselves that we don't like those foods for so long. And then we start believing that we actually don't like those foods. So a prime example is for so many years, I told myself, and this was like when I was really dealing with an eating disorder, was that I didn't really like ground beef. So I was always choosing like ground chicken or ground turkey. And I think we can all probably agree that ground beef tastes a lot better than <laughs> really lean ground chicken and ground turkey. I might be, you know, one of, there might be people that prefer turkey and chicken, but what I'm saying here is I'd really encourage you to take an honest look at your likes and dislikes and see if your dislikes are actually being kind of skewed or influenced by diet culture yeah yeah have you ingrained by picking that up off the shelf because this is like it's like muscle memory in a way when you're at the grocery store and you're in the meat aisle you it's so easy for you to go and get the super lean cuts of meat because that's what your like body is accustomed to going and physically doing i really found because um, in the opposite sense, it became very easy for me to not eat the treats and like not, I could stand in the candy aisle and I wouldn't even lift a finger towards something because I was so conditioned by that point that I physically couldn't do it. And it might sound ridiculous, but yeah, it's, it's so true. So you, you kind of need to push past that, like what's a habit for you to do and what maybe should could you try to do instead that's so great yeah like I mean I definitely have more of a savory tooth than a sweet tooth 
So I spent so many years of my life saying like, oh, I don't like sweets. I don't like sweets. Missing out on some of the best chocolate bars in the world. And now like everyone knows that I eat chocolate every single day because that is actually a sweeter food that I do enjoy. But I personally don't enjoy like gummies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> we call them lollies. Okay. Just they're just not as good as chocolate. Like chocolate any day of the week. It's any day, all day. <laughs> yeah, no, lollies are like a boy thing. I think. Yeah, I just can't do it. Um, yeah. All right. How much is enough without weighing yourself? I think this is an easy question as well. Yeah. But it's also an emotion, like a challenging question. Yeah, and it's an important one because so many women are so used to weighing themselves. And I think when they get to the point of HA recovery, they know that they shouldn't be weighing themselves. Or they've listened to you and I on podcasts before and they're like, okay. Megan Danny said not to weigh yourself during recovery. So now they're like, okay, how much food do I eat? Like, how do I know? Okay, or how do I know if I'm successfully gaining weight, if that's my goal? And I really just kind of want to say, don't worry about it. Um, worry about making sure you're eating three meals a day. You're balancing that plate. You're being intentional with eating full balanced meals that do not leave you hungry and that when you're hungry you're eating something if you're hitting all of those goals i really don't think if you're the average female you know you're not actually trying to recover from anorexia or something like that like you just are trying to recover from aj i think that focusing on the food and not worrying about your body weight is totally valid Mm -hmm. and also symptoms right like positive recovery symptoms are you maybe getting some cervical mucus are your breasts kind of tender do you have some lower back pain maybe you've never had like acne before or any type of like pimples or zits in a really long time while you've had amenorrhea And now you're starting to get some of those, right? Like those are all really positive signs, especially the cervical mucus, because I think a lot of us, when we have amenorrhea, we have zero. And then once we start eating more and our hormones are starting to improve, we start seeing some. So just paying attention to those positive signs too, I think. Like signs other than how your body looks, right? Yeah. So you're kind of saying a bit of like, um, we have another question here that we likely won't get to because it's towards the end. So we can just join it in. But, um, you know, what symptoms can you expect when you're about to get your cycle back? And like you said, cervical mucus is one of them. For me. Yeah, tell me yours. Unfortunately, I smelt terrible and I was sweating profusely. And I you know, was not someone who sweat very much at all. And I was just like, I couldn't stand my own odor because I just hadn't smelt it for years. And then suddenly my armpit was like creating this smell. So I <laughs> I noticed that I was more sweaty and I was and I smelled more. And that makes a lot of sense when you understand 
the, the role of hormones and all of that jazz. So that was one of them for me. So it can be pretty random. Yeah, depending like what symptoms you had during HA, right? Because some people, they're like cold all the time. And then once they start eating more, they notice like, oh, I'm not cold anymore. Or they were sleeping really poorly. And then once they start getting closer to recovery, they start sleeping better. For me, before my period came, (laughs) I had like tons of cervical mucus like the week before. And I was like, whoa, like I had like, you know, some all throughout recovery, like a couple months in, I started seeing like positive changes there. But about a week before my period actually came last August, I was like, oh my gosh, like this hasn't happened before. I think something probably good is really happening. And my hunger went from like extreme to really extreme, you know, I had crazy hunger levels like the week leading up. My boobs were definitely sore, but I was kind of like doing that mental thing where I'm like, are they really sore or are they always like this, you know? And then I started getting lower back pain a couple days before it actually came. And here was like the one thing that I actually like made me think like, okay, I think it's actually coming because it kind of transported me back to high school. So before I got my period or pardon me back to elementary school, when I got my period the first time, um, I remember that day that I actually got my period for the very first time and I was feeling kind of like puffy and kind of just like uncomfortable, right? And I was feeling like that the day that I got my period back after HA recovery. And yeah, I was feeling the exact same way. So in my head, I was like, ooh, I wonder if my period's coming. And then it came that night. Yeah, a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. That's so cool. I um, I mean, I also feel the need to like, just reiterate, my stench only happened like the day before bleeding. <laughs> Um, but the cervical mucus, you said you got it like a week. I got mine a few weeks before. So it, I mean, but mucus is a hundred percent a good sign because when you have HA, you are not getting any of that. So if you are, that's a really good sign. And I also had, um, like my nails started to get harder. My hair started to be, to feel like thicker. And I just like had more of a glow. And I think that that's a massive sign that you're on the right track. A friend of mine called it the chubby girl glow. I don't know if that's like, she didn't mean it in a bad way. She was like, she actually meant it in a complimentary, like she didn't say I had that, but we were just talking about, you know, when you put on a bit of weight and you just like look so much like you're glowing, like you're healthy. She's like, yeah, like the chubby girl glow. And you kind of, it almost sort of like, made a really positive thing out of that word which I thought was interesting it's kind of like the pregnancy glow I suppose so yeah we kind of just have to reframe almost how we interpret the word or the term chubby right yeah a little bit it's literally just like when your your face is maybe a little more full and your like 
skinny isn't all blotchy and dry and flaky and your eyes don't have crust in them basically <laughs> like that happen when you eat yeah it, so the word that i would use so your friend said the chubby girl glow mm-hmm. and something that's coming up for me right now is like the nourished girl glow because that's mm-hmm. what we are when we're truly like feeding ourselves properly through ha recovery it's like you're yeah. finally nourished right your body has been waiting for this for maybe years in some cases right yeah no definitely i mean in the in the real world people use words like this unfortunately <laughs> but yeah not everyone like walks around calling each other like oh you look so yeah, nourished today well eventually they will eventually they will but yeah cool okay sorry if that helps all right we got through one question <laughs> 30 okay. minutes in okay so should we move on to question two about okay. running so this woman is asking is running too dangerous for me if i had three periods already really common question because yeah. and maybe it's important to talk about like kind of the three period thing, right? So if you're familiar with Dr. Nicola Rinaldi's work or No Period Now What, she kind of has like this three period rule, so to speak. And it's kind of like don't change anything until you have three periods. So this listener is wondering, you know, once I've had three periods, is running too dangerous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have three periods. Now what? Yeah, exactly. Um, she needs to write another book. Well, she has a chapter. Yeah. yeah. So my answer to this is, and it's what I did, is if you are ready to add in some exercise and it's important to you, that's great but don't change anything else for one as in don't also start to like change your diet and eat less food or and don't try to bring back running in at the most intense level you can you want to work it in and you really want to take like the scientific method right where you add something in and you don't change any of the other variables so you can control it so you can see if something happens and you lose your period again we know exactly what it was because if you go back in and you change other things about your life it's going to be hard for you to know okay well what was it So don't start running again if you start running for a new job, if you're doing something, it's like just if massive change is happening, it would really be wise for you to add in running when it's the one variable that you can control and keep an eye on. Totally. That's that's my two cents on that. Absolutely. And I would really start slow too, right? Start small, start slow. Um, don't over, don't overexert yourself because, I mean, that's how I approach things. I'm not a runner. You and I both like lifting weights. That's kind of where both you and I really love to spend our time, I think, like more fitness-wise is like lifting weights. And when I started to get back into things, I didn't go just like back to the weights that I was using before. I started small and I started slow and I was able to keep my period. 
And then I was the opposite and I went back and I started to lift my old numbers uh, and I was just like ready to go for it. And I, with me, um, I, I didn't add enough food in and I like for the amount of intensity that I decided to go right back to. So my, like my version of starting slow in reality is also just not that slow. So the mistake I made was, yeah, not, not starting slow and I didn't increase my calories and I lost my period again. So the, the next time I did it, I had to start really slow, see how that went, then increase my food and then increase my intensity and then increase my food again. And then like one thing at a time, always increasing the food first. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important to talk about. And I love it because you and I both have such different experiences, right? And we approach things differently. So this is wonderful. Um, okay, so the next question is about, is yoga helpful for recovery? Right. So is it helpful? <laughs> I mean, there's so many different types of yoga. So it depends. Are you using it for the right reasons and doing the right kind? Are you going to, you know, a flow yoga session to like get a sweat on and you're telling yourself you're doing yoga in quotations or are you actually like going and doing a, you know, a restful, what are, what are they called again? Like yin yoga? Yin? Yeah. 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 There's a few. Um, like the actual restful ones, it's just gentle stretching and a bit of meditation. Yeah. Or are you going to get like a butt kicking workout? Like in? power yoga. Which one is it? Right. And what's your intention really? The is why behind everything is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love that. And is it like particularly helpful? You know, like if you do yoga, that's this is kind of how I was seeing the question is like, if you do yoga, is that more likely that your period's going to come back type thing? And like, it's not really the recipe for getting your period back. The recipe is resting and eating more food. So your body feels safe. And to be completely honest, I was hearing about a lot of women doing yoga throughout recovery, right? And so I did a couple practices here and there. And every single time, Danny, I was always left feeling like, whew, I don't think I should have done that. And it was really gentle, easy yoga, like really from my home, like a quick, like 10, 15 minute um, YouTube video. And it was really easy. But I think that goes back to like, we're all so different and our bodies perceive stress differently, right? Like my body might have thought like, ooh, that's that's a lot of stretching and like, it's just too much for me. But I was able to incorporate some lifting throughout my recovery without feeling like taxed, right? Right, interesting. Okay, so... It really does depend on the person. Yeah. Um, the one thing, other thing I will say that I thought was helpful for it is if you're having a really hard time letting go of exercise, I do think that um, 
if you need something to do, going to yoga works well because you're, it's, it still allows you this slight routine of like putting your workout clothes on and going somewhere for one hour and doing a class setting and that's it. So it's like a part of the mental shift while you're, while you're w- working towards doing less and nothing. I would, I would say that. And to your point about how you walked away feeling a bit like, oh, I don't know if I should have done that. For me, I found yoga very anxiety inducing. I am a type A, I need to be productive. I need my product, I need my recovery to be productive. I was like, it was wild. And so I had a lot of times during the yoga where I was, and this is kind of the point, I suppose, of yoga, but I was so quiet in my mind and in my thoughts and there was nothing else I could do. And you're stuck in this pose and you can't go and be productive. And it was very stressful for me. So I actually had to stop because I just wasn't ready to challenge myself in that way. I was already challenging myself in so many other ways that being quiet and still during this time, like there was a couple of times where I just cried on the mat because I just like wanted to leave. So everyone's so different. And I think right now you need to do whatever is, you know, making you happy and less stressed. Totally. Yeah. I love this conversation so much because you and I are thinking like kind of different in different ways about each question. Like you said, it was really anxiety inducing for you. And then I was going to comment back and say, you know, one of the really great things about yoga and HA recovery is the fact that it really allows that like mind body connection and allows you to be really present with yourself. And for me and so many of my clients, like the whole process of HA recovery and finally getting your period back, it's really like coming back Mm -hmm. home to yourself and being like so present with yourself and knowing yourself and yoga might help with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so while we're on the topic of fitness and exercise and stuff like that, I just thought we could kind of segue into the question about best strategies for quitting exercise as a fitness enthusiast because this one is for you (laughs) this is your question right I mean well I had just said before like still getting into your outfit and going to yoga so that you're in that routine is okay now there's a lot I I feel like this can be a controversial topic because there's a lot of people who will be like you need to stop and you need to like not live in this fantasy world where you're doing pseudo recovery. And I do agree with that, but if it's not possible and if it's not happening for someone, you need to find another avenue. So in a perfect world, you would just quit. We all know that. And there's a lot of us where it just, um, it isn't very easy at all. It's the question I get the most is, is I feel terrible not exercising. It's causing me more anxiety and we don't necessarily just want to swap one anxiety for the other if we can help it and i find 
or I've found as well, a lot of women whose goal isn't to get pregnant right now. This is one of the hardest parts of it is, is giving up on the exercise and the routine, not just because they're part, it's part of their routine, but it's often a part of their community. It's their friends. It's the people they see every day and they've built a relationship with. And now they like can't go to the gym or wherever. So I found still sticking to the routine, but swapping the activity was a huge one. And if you do need to go to the gym, go to the gym. But what you're going to do instead is you're going to tell your coach and everyone in your community, this is what you're doing. And the reason I feel like it's okay is because having support through this process and accountability is good. And as soon as you've told these people, this is what you're doing, you're now on the hook and it's way easier for you to put your ego aside and do what you said you were going to do. So if you need to tell your coach, Hey, this is the thing I'm doing. This is the condition I have, because frankly, you should be educating fitness instructors as well. So you might as well tell them what's up and tell them like, so say this is a CrossFit workout or something. And it's like 10 rounds this time. You're just going to do five rounds and the weight for it is like 35 pound dumbbells. Well, you're just going to do 15 or 10 pounds. You are going to half that. If you can do even less than half, great. But you're going to half it. You're going to pace yourself through. I mean, you know, you can't, everyone else is doing 10 rounds. So you've got heaps of time to finish your five. So you're going to cruise on through. And at the end, you're going to feel great because you moved your body. You did some blood flow, but you're not like in a heap of sweat on the floor. And for a lot of people, this is enough to get their period back. If you're not super deep in the AJ, there, there are people that don't need to give it all up. You'll find out, sorry, text message. You'll find out quickly if you're one of those people or not, right? Because you, you still don't have your period back. Yeah. I was one of those people. I incorporated some movement. Um, when I felt like it, I wasn't strict in any way. I wasn't like, I'm going to work out three days a week. Here's my workout plan. And I really like how you specifically noted, like, again, it goes back to like why you're doing it. So I, I have a full gym in my basement. So I could have worked out as hard and as often as I wanted to. But my main goal is getting my period back. But it also feels really good to move your body, right? So I would go down into my gym in my basement and I would literally remind myself every single time the goal isn't to get stronger. The goal isn't to set new like PRs or anything like that. My goal is simply to just move my body. And then I did. And I was able to do that throughout recovery and get my period back. Yeah, that's like if you can get your goal and that's a hard thing to get to for some people who aren't used to their goal just being to move their body. They're used to trying to lose weight, but you should also always go in practicing that mindset. So comes back to your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you moving your body? And 
yeah, just like be as intentional as you can in reducing the load. And when you become used to reducing the load, it starts to get easier to do less and less. So me, there was a time I couldn't take a rest day. Now, sure, whatever. Like it's totally fine if I can't, if I don't work out today. And I never thought that would be possible for me. But it was, I was definitely addicted to exercise, but by weaning myself down within a few months, having a full rest day was not just doable, but extremely enjoyable. Yeah. And I would just like to wrap this question up. I would just say challenge yourself. You know, if if you're really scared of rest days, to me, my approach to that, it's like that's a huge red flag that I need to take a rest day. You know, I always I grew up with the mindset just because I dealt with eating disorders from the time I was 10 years old. So I grew up literally with the mindset that if I was scared of something, it was a green light for me to like go and do it so I could conquer that fear, you know, and kind of like push whatever disordered thought I was having aside. So that's kind of what I would say is like if you're literally scared of rest days, that's how I would approach it. It's like, okay, well, I'm scared of them. So, you know, that's a really good sign that I need to take some. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that idea. Awesome. It's kind of also a way to make recovery productive. Yeah. <laughs> like challenge. In your, yeah. In your, that's how your mind works. I love it. All right. <laughs> so as we wrap up the show, where do we want to go? Which question do we want to tackle next? Okay, what's one that we can do without going off on too much of a tangent? Oh, this one, um, and I was chatting with someone today. So question 22, I think this works for Perfect. A, lot of people, a lot of people listening are in the health and fitness and coaching space. So the question is, I'm a fit instructor, so high intensity interval training. I'm a HIIT instructor and I teach twice a week. Is there any way to recover my period and still reach my goal? So I was chatting about this with a friend earlier today and we looked at this question together and we decided that this person most likely is something like the spin instructor where they're doing the workout with the class. Because at first I was like, well, if you're instructing, I'm not sure how you're also working out. So I think this person is probably something like a spin instructor or, you know, they do the workout at the front of the class. Everyone follows along. Definitely. And I, I really liked her answers. So I'm actually stealing them. She is a CrossFit coach. Her name is Ali and a nutrition coach. And she's been CrossFit coaching for seven years. And basically she said that well, why can't you just share with your class and lead by example that even I take days where I can't or where I don't push myself to the limit that hard. So I know that you've all shown up here to push yourself to the limit and that's great. I'm showing you, obviously this is my job. So I'm going to, you know, spin harder. And when I say push harder, I might not, but I still expect all of you guys to. But what that's doing is showing them, 
okay, even she takes rest days so that you're helping others and you're leading by example and they're, that's it. Like they're not going to be mad. <laughs> they're not going to care any more than that. And her other tip was, you know, if this is a spin class or something, yeah, just get off the bike if you're allowed. I don't know like how your company works or anything like that, but just hop off the bike and go over and give people more technique advice or, um, you know, be encouraging one-on-one versus at the front of the room. And I just really liked her example of, of leading by example, by showing and sharing why you're not joining in right now. I really like that too. That's perfect. Thanks, Allie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not a fitness instructor, but. That's great. Yeah. We had a lot of fitness questions this time around, but I think that's where a lot of people's like issues with going all in, you know, really I come from. We like, um, we accidentally made it a fitness one, but that makes it easier for you to title the episodes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Definitely. Yay. So everyone can, you know, stay tuned for part two. Mm-hmm. We're really excited. I, you know, August is my anniversary of getting my period back. So we're going to make this a big deal. The HA recovery (laughs) series, because a lot of women listening to this podcast, they have HA and they might have had it last year when I got my period back and they're still Mm -hmm. searching for, you know, like that that inspiration and we have a question that maybe we'll answer next week about like what our broke the camel's back Mm -hmm. moment was right yeah so I love that question me too so we can start off with that question next week and we'll dive into more questions sound good yeah um in the meantime if you want to get in on these questions just send either a dm to meg or to me Pick your pie and we'll get it on this list. Awesome. Thanks, Danny. We'll chat again next week. Thank you. Bye.